Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcasts. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And we're on video this time. First we're time. We're on video for the first time in Waveform uh, published history. We've we've practiced this a little bit. We've set this thing up a few times, try to get this going in, in the right direction on get it off. Wow, I'm already being very verbose. We're trying to get it off on the right foot. But uh, yeah, this is uh, it's on the YouTube channel now. We, I mean, people have been asking it for since we started, pretty much, I think that's safe to say, and we've always yeah. wanted it, but we wanted it to be, you you know us, we like high quality stuff, so we wanted to make sure it was high quality. So it yeah, started with having to move to the new studio, right? I mean, so we've had this podcast studio for a bit, which is really exciting. We moved to oh, this yeah. new larger space, and if you're seeing the video version now, like for audio only listeners, it won't change. You'll no, still have no. all mostly the same. Still experience. our main focus, right? Yeah. But for video, you can now see like we've got this space. We've got the the acoustic wall behind us with the logo on it. We've got this table here set up. We have the mics attached to separate tables so we can hit the table and yeah. not make overly deep noises like like that. If anyone's noticed that in the past, if you haven't noticed it, Adam's an amazing editor, so he's probably taking them out. If we've got you, Adam over here yeah, on yeah, the board. He's of got course. his own. He's got his own table now. He doesn't even need to be on us and like super careful about typing and everything for. Yeah. Uh, so we're set up. We've I'm got the pumped. setup. It's I think been... it'll be good. I think it'll be good. We've I I like watching video podcasts. Like I'm subscribed to a bunch of them on YouTube. It's how I find a lot of them, even though I end up going to like pocket casts for a uh -huh. lot of audio only stuff. So I think it'll be fun to have. It's also very common format for discovery. There's a clips channel as well on YouTube. Everything will be linked in the show notes, but also down in the description. You can chat in the comments and all that stuff. So it's all here. It's all happening. But uh, I think we should just get right into 
what we normally do. Just for those who are discovering that there is a Waveform podcast for the first time, um, we've done a bunch of audio-only episodes in the past, over a year in the bank yeah, so like far. S- this is episode 62, I believe. Exactly. Maybe we'll just start this by saying it's it's 62 in the title, so you know there's mm-hmm. a, a catalog. But we've done all kinds of stuff. We've had David on the show. We've had Vin and Brandon on the show. We've had interviewees. Uh, we've had all kinds of chats. The last episode was chatting with Neil deGrasse Tyson on like no wormholes yeah, you know. and like teleportation and stuff. So uh, it's been a lot. It's been really fun for the for the audio only podcast. But this is sort of just like a level up. So you have a visual if you want it. And there's going to be some good visuals, I think. Yeah, for the podcast. For sure. I mean, we're pretty good at visuals. Yeah, we try. I, I think I we think try. it's safe to say. So did you do anything this weekend? We have a a bunch of stuff we want to talk about. I I did something kind of fun this weekend, which I know everyone's obsessed with NFTs and you guys are begging us to talk about it more. And I've I've had to just tone it down because we already did three episodes in a row of it. But the, <laughs> let me just take like five minutes okay. to talk about this. Okay. Um, people, we've had them on the show. Mm-hmm. If you haven't listened to that interview, 100% listen to it. It's I think it's one of my favorite episodes, to be honest. I like it because everyone expected us to talk the whole time about his $69 million like yeah. painting, but he's a fellow, like very regular creator. Oh, like, yeah. He does a lot of stuff, and that's mostly what we talked about. It was good. Yeah, so he did his spring collection drop this weekend, and I just found the whole experience like really fun and interesting. Can you explain what the Beeple spring collection is? I would love to. Because I know he makes art, so what is this collection? Yeah, well, so he makes art every single day. Right. So like this collection was a, a group of, I think it was like 10 or 11 pieces of, they're all pretty recent. I think they were all between like, he just passed 5,000 days. So I think some of them were in the like 4,900 range and some were a little over 5,000. So he took like 10 or 11 pieces and he, we talked previously about how he started to do some physical pieces, which is kind of like a uh, acrylic glass with a, a video monitor inside, maybe like a foot tall, and okay. it like lights up. And it, it's really cool because not only does it show the piece, it'll like zoom in and go over the detail, and then it'll also bring up your QR code to show you the he's blockchain always, address to it. He's really good it's about that. wonderful. Um, okay. But we've seen how much these pieces go for. He's clearly the most popular NFT artist right now. So his... Some of these pieces went for like five hundred thousand. NFT artists, such NFT an artists. Well, yeah, I'm sure he doesn't like to call himself that. Just like you don't like to call yourself an influencer or a YouTuber. Yeah, right. Um, but in order to make it more available to everyone and all of his fans, he, out of the like ten drops he did, I believe four of them you could enter, and if you won the raffle, you could buy it for a dollar, which raffle. is crazy. Like we're talking about pieces that are selling for tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now you have the opportunity to buy get one for one dollar. So, okay, it's smart. So he's got physical art pieces, and he's raffling off entries into the ability to get it for a dollar. Basically, not even a raffle as an entry. You enter for free. If you win, you buy it for oh, one dollar. Wow. So you don't even have to risk the dollar for it, which is pretty cool. But yeah. so what he was doing is every one of these pieces, there was a hundred of them, or every one of the raffles, there was a hundred of them. There was. A, he did a couple silent auctions for one of one pieces, but all the raffles, there's a hundred available. Two of them, I believe, you had to answer a quiz, which knowing Beeple, or if you don't know Beeple, he's um insane, I think is the nicest Keeps way of putting it. I mean, like insanely <laughs> talented, but also like a little insane. Um, and it just like this mess of questions, which is I'm excited for because that's how I found his Discord to try and figure out the answers. And he had this insane community that was just like 
it looked like a live stream chat just like flowing with people trying to get the the drop and figuring out the answers and everything and it was just a whole experience of watching people try and get the answers entering waiting the 30 minutes till people started winning and then people were like no one was getting mad that other people were winning it was all like congratulations that's awesome like i'm so excited and so it was really cool um the second one they did though although i didn't win it it was you had one minute to enter the raffle okay and so many people were trying to do it that the website just like completely crashed but i somehow managed to get in and there were only so for a hundred pieces only seven thousand entries got in so like i'd consider that a pretty uh it's a pretty pretty solid chance. chance of getting something that we're selling for like twenty thirty thousand dollars an hour later after people won so didn't win but the whole experience i thought was just really neat and he was having a blast on twitter he was like posting these videos out it was on nifty gateway so i think he was out at the headquarters and he was posting videos and like tweets kind of making fun of people for the quizzes and he made this whole video about how all the uh, physical ones will come with a pair of underwear because you're going to poop your pants when you see how amazing it is and he wants tweet. to protect you. So yeah. for the 2021 collection, um, we included underwear in each one of the packages. The guy is just entertaining. Yeah, he's combined a lot of good stuff in one place. A lot of good hype there. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Well done. Um, I didn't do that much exciting this weekend. I did have practice. We uh, were back oh, to yeah. practicing for Pro Ultimate. Nice. Which is pretty wild. Everyone's wearing masks. It is about a hundred times harder to breathe while you're sprinting around. Yeah, you guys are all still surviving. Rate. So imagine that. True. Nice. It is definitely great to be alive and playing ultimate again. That's mm -hmm. like a. It's pretty good for me. Uh, so that was my highlight of the weekend. But uh, speaking of things that are back, yeah. CES coming back for 2022. Okay, I saw the announcement. this. How do we feel? I don't. <laughs> So we see, haven't discussed it much. I think we both just laughed when we first saw the announcement. Yeah. So the official announcement is that CES plans on returning to a physical event in 2022, January yes. 2022, in Las Vegas, in the convention center, just like normal, like nothing ever happened. I mean, they'll probably have, maybe they'll have masks, maybe they'll have special precautions, but an in-person event again. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I want to go. To this yeah, well, <laughs> let's let's take it back. You said you think there's going to be masks. Like my first question here is, what restrictions are they going to have? Because mm -hmm. that's a lot of people. I mean, I I don't think we're going to get full like concerts and venue stuff back by then. Yeah. Why are we going to pack like two hundred thousand people into a convention center? That yeah, we talked like about this when possible. maybe this was about well, yeah, right around when the pandemic was first starting, which is that CES was like the perfect storm of. You used to get sick every year we go. Is mm -hmm. like the CES flu. We we are aware of why this happens. Is because tons of people internationally all descend upon one place. They all stay in the same small group of hotels in the dry air, and we all touch the same pieces of tech. Yeah, and half of it we put up to our face, and after. we put it on our face, <laughs> and like all this stuff, and then we all go fly back home. Like that's on the same plane, on the same yeah. dry <laughs> tube. Like this is this is pretty ideal for getting a lot of people sick in a lot of places. Um, so I don't, I mean, I, I believe that they'll do it. I believe they'll get enough people to go that they can pull off being able to say we did CES in person, but like CES underrated. I think one of the most like, uh, well attended, uh, flying to events that will actually happen first. Like, like all the other previous, uh, like shows and IFA and 
all the Mobile World Congress stuff was digital again. Apple's doing digital events. OnePlus, Samsung, LG, everyone's doing digital events. Mm -hmm. So this would be like one of the first in-person, international, high-volume events since the pandemic. Like that's not a small deal. No. So they have to really think about how they're going to handle it and actually pull it off and not become a super spreader event because it's not over. COVID's not over. No, it's not over. And as as close as, you know, a lot of our listeners are in the U.S., like we're handling it better than we were. We're we're doing pretty well on vaccinations at least. But like this is an international event. Like you said, it is much different than whether it's over in one or two countries. Like this needs to be over, over. And I don't know. Yeah, some some countries will handle it well and then others will have – spikes and then others yeah, will have spikes when they handle it well. There's a million so. variables and I don't know how CES is going to be able to, I, I think at this point it's far enough away to where it's a pretty safe bet to say it's coming back. Right, it still January. has time Vaccines to can happen. hopefully, yeah, what would, make uh, that decision, the safer decision. Okay, here's a question. What would what would get you to want to go to CES in person? You've been to a couple now. What would, what would happen? What sort of headline would roll out where you're like, all right, I want to go? CES comes back 2025. Oh, wow. Okay. I, <laughs> no, think I, I don't know, really. If I saw that they had like some sort of a strict requirement on like at least making sure a certain percentage of people are vaccinated, and we also happen to know that there would be like a couple major announcements, which we never know about CES, if all of that happened, I would actually be like interested in going. But I just don't think, I think most of the second one is actually unlikely because people don't want to go to CES to announce their biggest thing. No, by themselves. especially if it's going to be a CS that might not be as well attended because of yeah. like the, the I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think the only thing that would make me go is like following, like listening to the experts. And if, if they say they think it's safe, which sounds unlikely, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll Interesting. CS is fun, but in terms of content, we don't get the most content out of it anymore. Yeah, like the thing that I actually miss about CES is it's one of the only events where like almost everybody is there. Like, yeah. act, and you can actually like see faces and like your your friends are there and you can actually shake hands and hang out with people where like that happens sometimes like Samsung's another one of those events where almost everybody's there. Uh, there's a bunch of other events where a good overlap of people are there, but like, it seems like CES is the one thing where yeah. like you can see everybody. And it's multiple days too. Like a Samsung event, you see everyone, but then they're just want to hammer out their content. Yeah, everybody's busy. Yeah. Where CES, other than Linus, who is... CES is the busiest time for him. Like last time we had the podcast, we were just in our hotel room and we're like, hey, Austin, what are you doing? Come join the podcast, talk with us. And he just like showed up 20 minutes later. Oh my God, that was a video podcast. That would have been incredible. For those who haven't like heard that episode, that was in a CES hotel somewhere in Las Vegas. I don't remember, whatever floor we were on in a very echoey room. So we had like blankets hung up and like a a mattress up against the wall, like to try to make some sort of a sound booth. That would have been a hilarious video podcast actually. Yeah, it would have been really funny. We had this like weird fur carpet like draped over the table to try and like pronounce. Yeah, on the table. We put the f- the rug on the table. Yeah, yeah like that literally was on great. the table. It was a solid setup. It sounded really good. We've weirdly had, that was back when we were doing the podcast in the studio upstairs, yep. so it wasn't the best sounding. We've had like offsite trips where the podcast probably sounded better than, than the, the actual studio yeah. at some point. So I think we're all fixed now. We're, we're good at a to peak go now. now, minus the planes and the yeah. trucks, but- we're okay. pretty solid. All right. There's this article I wanted to pull up. Uh, I fix it drilled a key ring into one of uh, the air tags. So for those who haven't seen Apple's newest creation, air tags, it's the little Bluetooth tracker 
which is just a circle that doesn't attach to anything natively. So if you want to use it attached to anything, you need to also buy a way of attaching it to a yeah. thing. A it's like if you, ring. you stepped on a Mentos. That's how I would describe it. Sure, yeah. That I actually, don't know. I just thought of that, and I, I interrupted you just to say that. I, by the way, there's a bunch of great threads and pictures about how perfectly it seems to fit inside of other Apple products. <laughs> yeah. um, I, it might even be the same person. I think Stephen Hall's posted a picture of it inside of AirPods Max that was in the pa- thing. Uh, Patrick, oh, Patrick. I'm Patrick. I forget his last name. And then name, but. it also fit perfectly into the wheels. Not perfectly. I actually tried this, mm-hmm. but very close to perfectly inside of the wheels of the Mac Pro. Which is which everyone's just got laying around to throw I mean, their tags in, in case. It's great. But. I'm sure it's not a coincidence at all. Um, but yeah, you you have to buy a key ring to attach it to your mm-hmm. keys. You have to buy a bag tag to attach it to your bag. So uh, I fix it. Who's known for tearing things down? Figuring out what the repairability is like. Um, opened up the air tags. Found out where all the circuitry is, and found a spot in the motherboard where there isn't any circuitry. And found that they were able to just drill right through that spot on the edge and create a keyring. So if you want to put air tags directly on your keyring, you can follow the iFixit guide and do exactly that. Not spend an extra four hundred fifty dollars or however much the air maze. <laughs> yeah. Can you get an air maze drill and drill it in, and then you have an air maze? Yikes. Oh, God. Yeah. So I don't funny. like that. My bad jokes are on video right now. This is. A little uncomfortable. <laughs> I just I want to I want to give that shout out to iFixit because they're always looking out for people yeah. wanna trying to save a little money doing that stuff. We'll link it in the own. show notes. It's a it's I mean it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. But if you you're interested in doing it, um, it's not our fault if you break it. It's not iFixit's fault if you break it. Yeah, but it could be cool. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk Apple and their Epic trial, but also just the whole paradox of choice thing they've got going on. Be right back. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prof G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prof G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for Waveform comes from Coda. So it can be tough to stay organized when your team is spread across time zones. With Coda, you can help keep your whole team on the same page with an all-in-one collaborative workspace that brings together the best of documents, spreadsheets, and apps into one platform. That means less time ping-ponging between different tabs and tools and more time on your projects. So with Coda's extensive planning capabilities, you can stay aligned when managing planning cycles and while measuring objectives and key results. Plus, you can access hundreds of templates and get inspired by others in Coda's gallery. So over 50,000 teams across the world collaborate with Coda, from the New York Times to Square, uh, from Toast to TED and Uber. So if you want a platform that enables and empowers your team to collaborate effectively and focus on shared goals, you can get started with Coda today for free. You can head over to coda.io slash wave. So that's coda, C-O-D-A dot I-O slash wave to get started for free. Coda.io forward slash wave. All right. So our last video on the MKBHD channel talked about Apple and we called it the paradox of choice. You could call it the illusion of choice, a bunch of different ways to phrase it. But it's an, it's a topic that's come up a bunch in the news lately, and mm-hmm. I, this was a—I felt like a great way of summarizing it because I went straight to the analogy 
of comparing it to sharks. And I can't believe how well this worked, but it was such a good analogy I had yeah. to run with it. No, it was. So picture this. You've seen sharks in the aquarium. Maybe you've seen videos of sharks on YouTube, whatever. And you know how sometimes you see those like little sharks like swimming right next to the shark? The little like, fish a, next to the little shark. little attached yeah. to it, a little fish. And it's like sometimes suctioned onto the side of the shark mm -hmm. or like swimming right next to it. If you look up what those sharks do, that's called remora fish. Those little, they're sharks technically, but they're little oh, fish. Oh, are they sharks? Okay. Yeah, but they're called remoras. And basically, they have evolved over time to be mostly dependent on the sharks. And it's a win-win relationship because that remora fish will hitch a ride on the shark and can eat scraps of food, whatever the shark's messily eating. It's just like, all right, free food. Eats stuff around there. It's kind of got this bodyguard where there are no natural predators about to swim up to a shark and try <laughs> yeah, to pick right. one of those things off. So it's pretty good for the remora, but also it's eating parasites off of the shark's back. And it's like actually kind of a healthy thing for a shark to have a couple of those hanging around. And so the more you look into this remora fish and the relationship with the shark, the more interesting it gets. Turns out <laughs> the... The dorsal fin of remora fish is actually modified and evolved over time to literally become a suction cup. The dorsal fin, the thing on the back? Yeah. Does it like come over like an angler fish? And no, then... it's like the it used uh, to have a normal dorsal fin and over time it evolved that into a suction cup oh. because over time the most successful remoras are the ones that are able to stick to the shark the longest. And it's literally now evolved to be dependent on the shark by this like suction cup. And if you take one out the water, you can suction it onto a wall and it just stays there. So all this is to say <laughs> there are a number of uh, dynamics like that in the tech world. Yeah. Also, how how long till like Coyote Peterson's coming onto the channel? Because we've been doing a lot of weird nature like analogies. I would love that actually. He'd I mean, be that's awesome. he's got a great channel. Actually, I would just love to talk to him on the pod or like his team. Because mm -hmm. the stuff they film out out in the wild is pretty it pretty is. crazy for like a YouTube channel. Yeah. But okay, sorry. But anyway, so yeah, this this dynamic exists a lot in the tech world, and in this video, I used Apple as an example, where Apple is a shark, and there's a bunch of companies that are specifically evolved to fill in the gaps of what Apple doesn't do. Mm -hmm. Their whole business is to do something that Apple doesn't do for existing Apple customers. Mm -hmm which is uh, turns out a really dangerous place to live because <laughs> at any point, Apple can decide that is a good idea and just do that thing. Um, so we, we made this video. It's called the Apple and the Paradox of Choice, and, and you can watch it on the channel, and I, I suggest watching it, actually. It's, it's quite a good video. Uh, but, you know, Gruber wrote an article, actually, about that same topic, which I thought, like, boiled it down really nicely, which is if, if you are a company, whether you you know, are, are accessory to Apple or anyone else, and you make a business out of filling in a gap that one of these companies has, you should expect, if that idea is good enough, you should expect that company to eventually take that idea. And whether that means they will put you out of business or acquire you or copy you or whatever, that that either any one of those things could happen, but you should expect if that, good, if that idea is actually good, you should expect them to take it from you, which is... It's pretty not true. Some, yeah, it's it makes sense. It's hard to say like that. Oh man, I feel like that. That's what's so hard about all of this is it's so easy to kind of argue both ways. Like, why should I create something that's not been created and then expect to get destroyed later on? It, it kind of yeah. like, I guess the like the anti competition part of that is like people might think of something great and then never make it because they're just gonna assume they're gonna put all this hard work towards something. And That'll then get disappear. crushed later. That doesn't amount to anything. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I think it's tougher with Apple, and I think Gruber was talking about this in the Apple because we were talking about Apple. Yeah. Like, Apple very rarely, at least, I can't think of something off the top of my head, and I'm sure there are, but, like, they don't acquire things as often as, say, like, Google does. So, Apple, if you're making something that is specifically for Apple products, which is very, very popular. It's because a lot of things. Apple's very popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would always be worried that Apple's just around the corner if my idea is doing well and just take it and then I'm lost in the dust. Or if I was developing something that works for Android or something like that, you see Google acquiring people all the time. I, I think one of my options would be like, I'm going to make this awesome product. If they never compete with me, I have an awesome product. If they want to compete with me, there's a good chance I might get acquired and then at least my product's continuing. Whether I have a say in it or not, I'll make a ton of money. If That's it's probably the goal for a lot of people. This but was, yeah. it reminds me of Shark Tank. Whenever someone comes on to Shark, sharks are coming up again. Whenever someone goes on Shark Tank. Welcome to the Shark, I know. shark Form Podcast, shark week. baby. It's yeah. Shark Week. But whenever someone goes on the show and like has an idea that seems like it might be able to be easily copied, Kevin O'Leary will always go like, if you can't protect this, the big guys are just going to squash you like the little bug you are. He always says that. But it's kind of true, which is like, if your idea isn't that good, you probably won't be squashed. But if your idea is actually that good, you can expect them to make a move to either take that idea or or just fill in the gap where you were where you were being successful. So yeah, it's tough. It's, it's tough out it's there. It's tough in today's world because the way everything's set up, that is what's gonna happen. And you should kind of expect it. I guess what people are trying to fight with right now, and the reason we're seeing Apple brought up a lot and anti-competition, antitrust is people trying to figure out how to change those rules so something like that doesn't happen. I do not know where to even begin with that. Um, but I guess I totally understand wanting to make a, a world where you don't have to live in constant fear of just yeah. pure capitalism punching you in the back of the head. Well, it's actually a pretty, that's a decent segue into Apple versus Epic, which is uh, an ongoing trial. Now, there's a lot of Apple versus things out of there course. in the world right now, and we could talk about any of them, but Apple versus Epic is interesting because of the specific, literally, okay, Apple built this thing yeah. called the App Store. And if you just break it down, I always I try to see both sides of every argument or every verses. And it is, for me, very easy to see both sides. So Apple built the App Store. Epic makes one of the apps in the App Store. And the App Store policy is that they take 30% cut of all in-app purchase transactions. Yeah, That's just the way it is on the App Store if you want to exist. And the epic argument is, that's too much. Why do you deserve 30% of all the money that we're bringing you? And Apple is going, that, we could have charged way more. We built the app store. We made the rules. You don't have to be on the app store, but because you're here, yeah, we deserve the 30% cut. And so now there's all the anti-competitive arguments about, well, what other app stores are there? Like, what are the other rules? You don't have enough competition to change that 30% around, blah, blah, blah. I just think I, I find it very easy to see both sides, which is pretty yeah. pretty interesting to actually you know, like be able to focus on. I, I think our knowledge and stuff like this is very surface level because it would be impossible for us to know like every detail of this. Like these lawyers are insane the the arguments they can come up with. Um, but like to kind of recap back onto it, Apple obviously charges thirty percent. We've known that for a long time. Epic got upset with that and instead of going straight into some sort of lawsuit their first or maybe they went into a lawsuit but the big news that broke was that they like entered in a way to circumvent 
buying things through the App Store, mm-hmm. which then Apple got mad at, kicked them off their store. Google also kicked them off the Play Store because of that. Yeah. And because of all of that, that's what started the first suit. I think we talked about it three or four months ago. Yeah, they um, knew what they were doing with that. Yeah, now, now we're getting into the trial aspect of it. I think it just started May 1st was the first day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't have a lot of updates. There's a lot of arguing back and forth, obviously. Um, one thing I did find kind of interesting the other day, um, there's a Bloomberg article, and while it didn't have much about it, they one of the Apple lawyers argued that, so originally, so, so I think cross-platform play is the biggest thing Fortnite did. Like it was the one of the things that made it as successful as it was because when you have friends who have all different types of consoles or PCs or even phones, you can let all of them play together no matter what they're on. That's amazing. Sony at first didn't let you play with other cross, despite the fact that PC and Xbox could play or Switch could play. Mm-hmm. Sony would not let you play on PlayStation with others. And eventually they got Sony to allow cross platform play, but an Apple lawyer brought or specifically asked Tim Sweeney. So Sony finally agreed to cross platform play, but has never agreed to cross wallet transaction. Is that correct? Which Tim Sweeney the CEO of Epic replied, yes. So I find that kind of, I I don't know exactly how wallet transactions work on the Sony store. I'm assuming they take some sort of cut through anything. Yeah. The other thing is people talk about, will probably say like, well, why don't you just take 30% off the initial purchase and why don't you let them do their microtransactions like normal? The issue is, is the the most popular way of games these days is free to play yep. microtransactions. So that's impossible. Like Apple yeah. is not going to take no cut of Fortnite. Of course, that's dumb. Um, but Sony now not including wallet transactions is this a little? I'm I'm assuming that question out that goes out there to be along the lines of is this a little hypocritical that you're coming at Apple for trying to take microtransactions, but it doesn't seem like you're going after what. Uh, yeah. Sony. It's just I just think it's so fascinating that you can easily paint both sides as totally in the right or wrong. Like, okay, listen to this is this is the uh, let's start with like the obvious Apple is wrong argument, right? Mm-hmm. Apple Apple will take thirty percent of all in app purchase dollars, and you are not allowed if you're in the app store to go around that. So if you have in app purchases, you can't go. Hey, pay us through this like credit card form or like this mm-hmm. other thing. If you want to do in-app purchases in your App Store app, you have to go through Apple's way and they will take a 30% cut. So that means so this kind of came up which was funny in the the podcast argument, Apple is starting this new podcast subscription service where you, you can subscribe to a podcast and pay them like sort of directly mm-hmm. and Apple will take a cut. And Apple takes that, I think, 30% cut. And so Spotify announced a competing same thing where, oh, okay, we'll have subscriptions, but you can do that for free. But all of the money that Apple makes or that Spotify makes in the App Store gets cut off 30% to Apple anyway. So all of the money that Spotify is making in the App Store goes directly to Apple 30%. Uh, or not, not all of it. 30% of that money goes to Apple anyway. So it's kind of like they're losing money to Apple in order to make a better product. The point is, why is it exclusive? Why don't you have the ability to do other transaction methods? And Apple will always argue, oh, for the security of it, everyone knows Face ID mm-hmm. and everything is so secure with our you know, portals and everything, but it's, uh, it's pretty anti-competitive at the same time. Yeah, I mean, they also can make the argument, and it's a 100% true argument that 
your stuff on the app store is going to make more money if it is there. So like, I'm sure they argue plenty of times, yeah, we're taking 30%, but I bet you you're making more than that. Yeah, so so that's if you the weren't other, on the app store, that is, yeah. That's that the is other it. side. So Apple's going, wait a second, wait a second. We run a store. We built the store. We've put the money into creating the best store. We deserve the money that we make from the store. By the way, most stores charge more than 30%. Mm -hmm. If you'd look at like wholesale pricing versus regular pricing in a store, like to get something on the shelf of Walmart, your thing isn't 30% less for no. Walmart. It's like 50, 60, 70% less for Walmart. And by the way, uh, YouTube takes 45% from all creators. I don't know if people knew that, but 45% of AdSense revenue goes to Google and YouTube. 55% goes to the creator. So 30%, Apple's like, you're welcome. We only take 30%. Yeah. And uh, I think David pointed this out in the studio earlier, like when they first announced that 30% cut on stage, mm -hmm. everyone applauded. The developer gets 70% of the revenues and it's paid monthly. This is the best deal going to distribute applications to mobile platforms. So when a developer wants to distribute their app for free, there is no charge for free apps at all. There's no charge to developers are very happy about that. So that's the other side of that. So it's just it seems so easy to paint either side as pretty, pretty good. Like, I think they have a yeah. good point. So that's why it's such a fascinating issue. So um, our our channel friend Como Code actually tweeted a, a pretty, a pretty interesting video of Tim Sweeney in 2012, where he actually says we're now in a time where indie developers can flourish thanks to the App Store, which is just a long roller coaster of events to get to where we are and and in his defense and in everybody's defense we talk about that we talk about 30 percent maybe not being that bad but it's i'm not against trying to move forward and move to a better system and like you know what maybe 30 percent is too much now yeah, like it wasn't there, too much then is there an answer now to like solve everything like just make it 15 percent, or just let us get around the cut like Everyone's going to take advantage of whatever mm -hmm. change you make. So if Apple goes, all right, you don't have to be exclusive to our in-app purchase anymore, they'll never do that. But if they did, everyone would stop giving a 30% cut to Apple. It just makes financial sense. They would incentivize the credit card form or whatever other thing that takes less of a cut. Yeah. So, I mean, I think all these trials are ultimately to find a way that hopefully works for both. I know that will probably never happen because that's just what should happen. And why would that ever actually be the result? But um I think there's like like we both said there's a million ways to argue both sides. Everyone's going to have their opinion, everyone's going to have their biases and I think it's something that is so hard it's going to be a very long time before we find out what official yeah. rules are going to become. And I don't know when this trial is set to end, but I'm pretty sure It'll not much while. is going to come out of it It'll for a, a long while. time. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk some more gadgets. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. 
You also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is gonna change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution, like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte. Team up. Fight on. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we talked about cross-platform play earlier in the show, and I really feel like I, I I didn't harp on it or like talk enough about how important I think that is and how important for the future of games I think that is. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're seeing it. I, I still think Fortnite is what made it pretty mainstream. I'm sure it was available before that. Rocket League started doing it. Um, Warzone's doing it now. I think it's really the the big step because games are launching on all different platforms and people obviously have different platforms not everyone can afford a playstation 5 not everyone can afford a gaming pc but people can afford a switch people can afford a phone so cross-platform play is the best way to bring everyone together and i think it's incredible um but because of that there's definitely a few hurdles we have to go over and we just got news that discord and playstation are partnering and i think that news is really big because of what I think is the future of cross-platform multiplayer gaming. So actually, when when I read this out loud and said we were going to talk about it, Tim, our our new graphics guy, just immediately was like, wait, what? That sounds awesome. And I was like, oh, I, I think it's cool. But I'm like, he's like, yeah, I play Warzone on my PlayStation, but all my friends play on their uh, PC. So in order to communicate with them, I have to have a pair of headset for the PlayStation on and then I have another pair of headphones on underneath that that's connected to my computer, which is in Discord talking to them. Oh, so wow. So like, that's the setup <laughs> you have to do, something to create, along those lines in to, order to- yeah. To make it cross-platform chat. Because especially with those those Battle Royale games like that, you need the game sounds and you 
Yeah. It's almost imperative that you have them on your headset because like you need to hear footsteps close to you. The whole point is surviving. Yeah. And, but you also need to hear your teammates talking. So, so like two pairs. <laughs> like I, I'm assuming he probably does like one earbud in and then his over ear headphones over top. Whoa. But like that sounds brutal. So like that kind of workaround to be able to talk to your teammates or just friends. I mean, like, come on, we're all playing with our friends normally is brutal. That's no one should have to do that. So there's no official statement what this like partnership entails quite yet, but it seems like it's pretty obvious what it, hopefully it will be some sort of way that you can either use your PSN and add that to discord or use your discord username and add it to the PlayStation network. And then through that, join different party chats. Because obviously PlayStation has its own party chat that you can use voice chat in. But it's just PlayStations. But it's that. just PlayStations yeah. when you're playing on that. Or when you're on PC, sometimes there's in-game chat. Most people use Discord because it's just far better than anything else. A lot of times when you're using like party chat in a game, when you get into the menu system or something, it's a little different. Or if you die, Discord's just the much more secure way and the easier way to talk to each other. So mm. hopefully you'll have some way of where like, I would hope you're in the PlayStation menu. You want to party. You can party with your friends already. Like you can add PC players in your friends list to your party. Hopefully you can then join through their Discord as well or their Discord will be linked to their PlayStation network. Yeah, some kind of integration that makes it easier to mm-hmm. just plug that in. That's that's good. I think it sounds awesome. I, like I think that. it's, and, and I, hopefully it goes further than just PlayStation. Hopefully we're seeing Xbox do that. Switch is a little harder because I don't know of a lot of so like yeah. PlayStation and Xbox have accessories to put microphones that go directly to the console. Switch is still that like less of a uh, competitive gaming console, and whereas PlayStation and Xbox are more competitive. Yeah, I could, console I stuff. could see this like never even applying to the Switch. Yeah, but probably that is not. that is a good start. That's a good start. I mentioned we would talk about gadgets, so I do want to talk mm-hmm. Apple Watch rumor. Uh huh. Apple Watch rumor. Uh, at this point, it's like the watch itself isn't really changing that much it's gonna be a circle no (laughs) it's not gonna be it's literally like they've decided like this is the form factor they're gonna they're gonna run into the ground and maybe someday they'll eventually change the form factor them they'll do a different shape or something else like that but the rumor is this is from mac rumors apple watch likely to gain blood pressure sensor blood glucose sensor and blood alcohol monitoring um now again it's just a it's just a watch like on your wrist, like it's on the back mm-hmm. of your wrist. There's not really that great access to your veins, but again, they're doing great stuff already with the sensors. You can literally well, do an electrocardiogram on the watch. So. so so the reason this rumor comes up is a British company called Rockley Photonics, I mm-hmm. believe that's how you pronounce it. They um they just developed a the like non-invasive optical sensor that can uh, detect a bunch of different blood or metering, I guess you would call yeah. it. And um Apple happens to be one of their biggest customers, so the assumption then comes. That's a fair rumor. Rockley Photonics can do blood pressure, blood glucose, and blood alcohol level. This is obviously coming to the Apple Watch if Apple's their biggest consumer. We don't know when, or customer, we don't know when that's going to happen, but- Okay, so hear me out. Yeah. Apple Car someday comes out, right? Yeah. Apple Watch is the key to the car, naturally, because you have to have an Apple accessory to do the accessory Mm -hmm. thing. You unlock it, you get into the car, you push to start, and it goes, you can't drive yet, your blood alcohol level's too high. And then it makes you sit there and wait till the reading goes below the legal limit. Is that a good idea? (laughs) 
uh, or is that just the inevitable future? I think there are so many people who say that's like a complete invasion of privacy. But I guess at that time, you have made the choice to an Apple car. I would, I'm 100 behind it. I absolutely despise anyone who drinks and drives. Yeah. Especially if you're, I, I, consume alcohol i drive a car i never get even close to mixing them together i'm just like over the top i know people i've lost people that i know because of it so it's just very near and dear to me so i think that sounds amazing i wish everyone would have to do something like that but i can also immediately see people arguing against it 100 thing is and i understand why the blood alcohol level monitoring thing can probably just like any of the other sensors be turned on or off like you can decide for it to measure your heart rate if you want, or you can just be like, don't, and just turn mm-hmm. that feature off. So in the hypothetical Apple Car world of 2028 or whatever, when it's like, if you leave the feature on, it Is will it will not let you drive, then people turn it off. So you're saying Apple Car 2028? I don't know. And hypothetically, I mean, what is it? It's 2021, so that's seven years from now. The thing about an Apple Car, like, ah, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I just don't know what that is. What that looks like, I saw. I'm, I've seen the Hyundai rumors. I think they nixed that, though. Of course, and I think there's also a lot of rumors that it got, it was happening, but it got nixed because it because I, it leaked. I just love like imagining the scenario where maybe that happened, even though it probably yeah. didn't. But like, there's so many other questions. The thing about an Apple Car, though, I I think it's it's one of those ultimate plugins. Like, if Apple makes a car, it's going to be the most plugged in like terrible car for a non-Apple user and great car for an Apple user. I don't think you'd buy it if you weren't an Apple user. Yeah. Like if you, it's going to be one of those products like literally the delta between how good it is and how bad it is, well, might not be huge. I mean, like an Apple watch is literally useless if you have an Android phone. So it's great smartwatch if you have an iPhone. The Apple car, I'm thinking like, obviously your phone is your key or your watch unlocks the car or something like that with Bluetooth. Like you're gonna have find my car, find my parking spot, whatever. So you'll be able to see where you're parked on your phone. It'll guide you to the parking garage spot. Like there's gonna be all these easy plugs where it has lots of nice features because of the connections in the ecosystem. But if you don't use the Apple ecosystem, it's just like a normal, like basic car, I guess. I don't know. I don't know why my thought process was like, if it's an Apple car, it's gonna have all the Apple features, like find my. And then my first thought was like, is this going to be the least stolen car in the world? Or like people love to steal Apple products because they're expensive and sell well. Is it going to increase the the amount of time? We're, I mean, right now we're talking about Grand Theft Auto on an imaginary car, but yeah. it's inter- are people going to steal Apple cars because uh, they'll be easy to track? I think it might. It's, it's going to command more attention because it's Apple. Like this happens yeah, with Teslas a- now. There's entire YouTube channels dedicated to people's sentry mode footage mm-hmm. and there are entire subreddits showing my car just got keyed for yeah, no reason that's... because people walked up to the car saw it was a tesla and decided to do something about it which I, I still don't understand and i think an apple logo on a car and it'll it's gonna look like an apple car like there's no way it looks yeah, like a sure. like a hyundai sonata like i there's no way you don't walk up to that car and go oh wow uh-huh. the apple one so uh, will it be stolen a lot more? I don't know, but I definitely think it'll get a lot more attention. So you're saying Android fanboys are going to definitely vandalize. Oh some God, Apple cars. it's such a like right Please now. Don't. It's like electric cars get hated on by electric car haters, so I at least understand that dynamic. But if you're driving a car and see it a tech car and you don't like the tech company, do you then get <laughs> mad because you're an Android user? That's so weird. 
I guess. I love it. I in guess. this dystopian tech war world that we may live in one day. Weird future. Yeah, Weird future. It is. But uh, if we want to go back to what we were originally talking about, which is blood measuring in an Apple Watch, yeah. we've gone a little off the tracks there. Not, I mean, I think blood alcohol level is what the headline really like brings you to that seems the most interesting. My one thing, my one issue with that is you definitely hear about people who buy those like BAC measure, the, the like blood alcohol content measures, and they like use it as a competition when drinking, which is very dangerous. Oh, I hope that does not happen. Well, it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna, unfortunately. like, please the, don't, if you're listening to this, please never do that when this comes out. It's dangerous. The other thing is, like, Apple will always specifically mention if this new sensor is like medical grade or just like kind of nice. Remember the mm-hmm. uh, blood oxygen sensor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like. When I went out to do that David Blaine Ascension project, he was asking me like, "Should I try to use the Apple Watch for my for my blood out my blood oxygen?" And I was like, "Dude, use the one that's that's made yeah. for that because <laughs> it will tell you the exact number and it's medical grade and it's going to be right yeah, every time." Exactly. Where the Apple Watch is like kind of for fun. You go on a hike, you're like, "Ooh, I'm at 95% instead of 100." Like that's it's not going to help you survive or not survive. Exactly, it's just kind of yeah. fun information. I feel like blood alcohol content or even blood pressure, any of these things, probably will still also be in that realm of for fun, general knowledge. And if something spikes or goes crazy in one direction, you'll know. But they're not going to be like, you don't have to go to the doctor anymore because you have an Apple Watch. This is just not. I think it'll be the opposite, which is fantastic, which is like, huh, this seems a little odd. Maybe I should schedule a doctor's appointment and get this actually checked out, especially with blood pressure and blood glucose like if this gets to the point where people are finding out they have high blood pressure they have diabetes or have developed they, it yeah have developed it yeah. that then they're getting to the doctor quicker yeah i think that's great i think that's it, a win it might cause some anxiety for people i'm one of those people who like one thing feels off about my body and i'm just like i'm gonna die just let the so, watch let <laughs> yeah, the watch tell it me. sounds like a nightmare for me but at the same time if i'm one of the, if you're anxious all the time having something that's Giving you good readings might be a way to just calm you down. Calm but you down. I think it'll be awesome if this is potentially bringing people to medical professionals sooner. Yeah. Um, that, there's that a there's a ton of articles already about like, my Apple Watch told me I was yeah. getting hypertension. I went to the doctor like and AFib, got to know right, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a regular heartbeat. The one thing I just pictured though is somebody getting pulled over and the officer going like, have you had anything to drink? And him going, look. <laughs> I'm below the limit. My watch says I can. It's just like, get out the car. Like, I have an actual medical grade tool. Uh, yeah, it's going to be yeah, interesting. If, you're, if your first excuse is I'm below the limit, that's uh, get your out of the car right away. You know what this really all comes down to is how Apple presents it. I think they're what they're really I'm underrated at is the demo they give you of how to use their new feature or what it's useful for or why you should care about a feature is usually very instructive on how they want people to use it and how it works best. AirTags, they got a little carried away with the graphics, but it was just finding your keys in your couch. Mm -hmm. They didn't do anything crazy with like anti-theft or like somebody takes your bag on the subway and you need to track them down. It was very basic, like somebody lost their keys in their house and they found them. And I think that goes back with a long history of Apple products where the demo they'll do, especially on stage or the video ad they produce for it is really actually very instructive. I think what they do with this blood alcohol measuring, let's say they do pull this off, mm-hmm. whatever they do in the video is probably, it's probably going to be like you go for a hike and, you know, whatever. They'll have like some demo of how they expect people to actually use the sensor and it won't be medical, basically. That's that's interesting though, because 
first off, all these things are pretty, I mean, blood alcohol monitoring isn't that medical. I'm hoping that, I don't know how they're, I have no clue how they're going to announce that. Yeah. I'm like fascinated to see how they will. Blood pressure and blood glucose will have to be medical because you don't really. Blood pressure. I mean, blood glucose could be like, you do have diabetes and I, now forgive me if this, I'm not right here, but generally you're measuring your glucose level to make sure that you're staying in in a realm of it over the day and then that yeah. affects your diet, et cetera. So maybe this will help people rather than having to like prick their fingers and everything. I know absolutely nothing about diabetes, so it's, it's a good idea. Right. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. If they if they feel like this thing, this new developed sensor is accurate enough that it can help people who usually need to prick their finger to measure that yeah. thing, then that's a huge win. Mm-hmm. And also it's like, by the way, you need to buy an iPhone to make this work. But hey, if you don't have an iPhone, there's another reason to buy one. Um, but yeah, you're right. How do you how do you say blood pressure isn't like some, rec- so, how do you recreationally I, explain like, I just check my blood pressure for fun. Yeah, right. I, I guess maybe stress levels, generally blood pressure gets higher with uh, increased stress levels. Maybe okay. it's an, a way to, to help you calm down. That, that'd be my guess. They go something along the lines of like eliminate stress or help reduce stress through blood pressure, um, which they, they already track stress, don't they? Or the OnePlus watch did, but who knows what that was actually. <laughs> the OnePlus tracking. watch had a stress app that you opened to tell you if you were stressed or not. Which, that was stressful. Yeah, I was going to say stressful. the only thing, it didn't even need that because you were just stressed on if the watch was going to work <laughs> or not. Um, yeah. You did mention how Apple's so good at announcing things. Uh it's only some of the only backlash I've ever seen on an Apple announcement was probably the last time they did kind of I think it was the blood oxygen stuff for their watch. They had this very like gloomy Wait, what did they do? It was like a a whole series of people talking about how like Apple Watch saved their life. And oh, yeah. while that's like very feel good, it had this very like almost dark and gloomy vibe to it. And some people were pretty upset that it it had a little undertone of like you're not safe without Apple. Or like, I mean, I'm sure that is people stretching what that is a little bit, but it definitely was less fun, upbeat, more of like, we are a protector. And so I I can't imagine it's not gonna have a similar vibe to it if you're talking about health stuff. I think it was people selling, it was them selling the Apple Watch to people's parents. Like you, like, you want your parents to have this, right? Yeah. You want your parents to know if you they're love your developing. Parents, right? You love your parents, <laughs> right? You're gonna get them an iPhone, right? Right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. No, that I could see that that angle being a little bit of a stretch, but I don't know. I I, I could see them doing it. I think that's a that's a rumor. I could see them doing. <laughs> that's just yeah. about you know it's a new sensor in the watch and they'll probably keep it the same shape, same size, same feature set. Sounds about right. I like the Apple Watch though, so not complaining. But yeah, that we did have kind of a grab bag of stuff, but that's basically it for for this week. Honestly, this was just fun, just chatting about a bunch of stuff. But yeah. let us know uh, for video podcast what you what you thought of the format, what you thought of the set, how you think the quality looked and sounded. We've got all kinds of questions because this is obviously our first go at it. But how good Andrew's face looks? You know, yeah, first. <laughs> I mean, we have the, the YouTube comments section is open. Of course, this oh, is no, something I'm we didn't have. <laughs> we didn't have on the. Uh, uh, on the audio only podcast, we just had our tweets. So this is a uh, this is a new method of interacting, and I think it'll be fun. So one new channel, two new channels: clips channel, original channel. Yeah, hit us up, let us know. But uh, this is exciting. This I'm is good. Pumped, man. There will be guests. There will be interviews. There will be topics. There will be co-hosts. There's a whole bunch more coming. But until next time, thanks for joining us on Waveform.
Waveform was produced by Adam Alino. We are partnered with Studio 71, and our intro-outro music was created by Cameron Barlow. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.